I've been eager and excited to get this particular interview into your earbuds because I know many of you are parents and you want to grow to unbelievable levels of success, but you want to do it in congruence with the family that you're raising. And Terry Rice, not to be mistaken for Jerry Rice, of course, was my guest today, a dad of four. And his story will both inspire you and, you know, really move you. He shares the vulnerable pieces of his story, like when he lost his son and what he had to do to develop the resilience and the purpose to continue on despite his unbelievable heartbreak. So being someone who's in the business development consulting space, he's a staff writer at Entrepreneur Magazine. He runs a successful podcast, which by the way, I saw he had interviewed Shaq. And if you've been to my website, you know, if I could have a beer with anybody, it would be Shaq, but that's a whole other story. We're going to leverage that connection. He is first and foremost, a dad and a husband, and he builds his business around that being true. So he has gifts in marketing and he has gifts in business development. But today I really wanted to unearth how you walk through and continue on when you faced really hard things in your life or in your business. How do you develop resilience as a skill so that you can put it into practice time and time again and continue to grow into the person you're being called to be? So I'm excited to bring you this episode with Terry, my new friend. Enjoy the show. Hey, you're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz. This is the space where we equip overwhelmed entrepreneurs to become the confident, visionary leader their business, team, family, legacy need to win. After working with countless entrepreneurs over the last decade plus, I've noticed this theme. No matter the level of success they achieved, and I've worked with some incredibly successful business owners, they get to this point where they're asking, now what? You know, what am I being called to next? What does next look like? How do I get there? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact and you want to feel less frantic and in the weeds of your day-to-day -day roles and instead lead with that vision and that peace and that intention and that clarity. You want to wake up each morning with that clarity and vision and the time and the margin to do what you love in your business and in your life with your family. This show is where industry leaders come to grow into their next level of achievement and purpose and impact and legacy, success in business and true legacy at home. Get ready because we both know you don't just need another strategy. It is time for your breakthrough. Okay, so Terry, we had the pleasure of meeting yesterday for your podcast. You also got to unexpectedly meet one of my kids who so kindly broke into the recording studio asking for a snack, but you rolled with it as a dad of four yourself. But I'm excited for our listeners to meet you and get to know you better. And before we dive in, I want them to really know you. So I love hearing someone's coming up story. I want them to hear more about just the heartbeat of how you got to where you are today and, and just what led you here. So tell us more about Terry, the man behind the, the mic. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This gets harder the older I get. I'm 45 now. So it's like, how far do you want me to go back? Um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with, uh, with college. So I went to school at the University at Buffalo. And my problem was I was really focused on being popular and not focused on starting a career. So I was an athlete. I worked at 
like the most popular bar on camp on campus. And I was that guy graduated, had no direction. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get an MBA. But I went back to the exact same school <laughs> to get a business degree. So I was still like that guy partying all the time, graduated, had no job prospects lined up whatsoever. And get this, I ended up working at Radio Shack retail with an MBA. I'm like selling batteries nice. and stuff with an MBA. So I always felt kind of behind in my career and it was frustrating. But then just by, by my happenstance, I got a call about a marketing job in New York City, moved here and ended up getting really involved with digital marketing. I took some courses around that, um, got hired at Adobe, then moved on to working at Facebook, stayed in corporate for about 10 years doing digital marketing slash consulting roles. And then like a lot of people, I just burned out. I just got sick of it. I remember looking around one day and I was talking to my manager and I was like, you know what? I don't want your job. And I actually don't want anyone's job here, including mine. And that's when I realized, like, I just wasn't set out to work in corporate. I know a lot of people are and they love it on my end. Like, I just wanted to do something different. So started my own business in 2015, primarily offering digital marketing consulting. And that's when I found out I should have paid more attention during business school because I had no clue how to start, <laughs> run or grow a business and went through a lot of challenges uh, to find a resolution to that. But now that's what I do. I help people skip all those, the, the uncertainty, uh, the challenges, the the frustration I encountered uh, as both a business development consultant and staff writer at Entrepreneur Magazine and host of the podcast, Launch Your Business. Cool. Well, I want to dig into that today, the idea of the challenges we navigate and and being able to kind of extract some of the wisdom from that, those challenges before we jump into that, just because you're also a parent of four little ones, how old are your four kiddos? My oldest is almost eight and then five and then four. And my youngest is almost two. So we got some. Okay, cool. Coming up. Yeah. yeah. We're in, we're in similar territory. It's just basically mass chaos at all times and total traveling circus. Did you know that you wanted a, a bigger family when you first got married and started having kids? I did. And it's funny. I was attracted to the concept of having a big family. Then when it was actually a reality, I was like, whoa, this is, this is a lot. Um, so it's it's fun when it's fun, but you know, it could be challenging as well. And I think that's why uh, you and I are just focused on routines that'll help us manage the chaos so we can get our job yeah. done and also take care of our family. So it makes us higher performers in, in my opinion. Yeah. There are a lot of parallels between business and family in the sense that a lot of the, you, you don't make decisions of the things that you want to do or accomplish or become based on how easy or convenient it is today, right? You don't do it. You shouldn't do it in business and you shouldn't do it in family either. I have a lot of you know, friends that have maybe one kid or something and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to have more kids because it's hard. And I'm like, well, just like if you don't have more kids because it's not the right thing for your family as a whole, that's fine. But if you're making that decision based on the convenience of today, like it's not the best way to approach how you want to live the rest of your life. Cause God willing, you have many more years of life. You kind of want to look down the road and say, okay, how do I want life to look and, and what sacrifices or challenges do I need to walk through today in order to have that vision and that dream? Um, so I, I've been in business for 12 years now. It's been a wild ride, right? Lots of ups, probably more downs than ups. I think that's, if we were to really keep score, that's probably the reality of most entrepreneurs. And if you're in business long enough, and I think sometimes that I totally take that for granted, you kind of learn that it's par for the course and you adapt to hardship. It just becomes a piece of the process. And I, I realized that 
in seeing so many of the clients, I usually meet them when they're at that tipping point of like, I'm either going to lose my mind or I'm going to figure this out and get over this hump and step into my next level of growth. No matter how successful they are or had become, they too had been through so many hard times and so many struggles and so many failures in pursuit of that growth and that success. But I want to talk about that today with you because I realized in my journey, and it wasn't really something that I paid much attention to, but now looking back, I realized how instrumental it was for me when I was going through those really hard times to hear other successful people's stories of surviving those tough times, like coming out the other side of failure, the wisdom that they gleaned from that experience. And that, that helped me pull through some of those moments that maybe other people would have thrown in the towel. So I know you talk about this idea of building resilience and overcoming setbacks. And I always talk about this idea of leveraging your failures for growth. So since it's the only way to actually make it as an entrepreneur, can we dig in the, into this more today? Like, I feel like you're the right person to have this conversation. I want to talk about struggles, failures, resilience, and, and the overcoming. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And it's, it's interesting because there were a few just different arcs in my career as an entrepreneur. Initially, I was a digital marketing consultant because I worked at Facebook, I worked at Adobe, and that was my thing. And it's interesting because things were plugging along pretty well after, you know, some, you know, false starts initially. And it's about 18 months into my business. I was like, wow, this is actually working. Like I'm, you know, I'm at peace. You know, I have my, my, my daughter, she's about a year old and, and I'm getting all these clients, you know, just coming out of nowhere. And then my, my son died. And just that just, just froze me. And as you can imagine, I was just thinking like, you know, this is, this is, this is real. This is a thing that I have to. I have to navigate around and his, his name's TJ, Terry Jr. So I was looking at my own tombstone, like literally my name on it. And you mm. can't go through that kind of experience and not think to yourself, well, how do I want to be remembered? Right? What do I, what do I want my legacy to be? You know, when someone's looking, you know, at, at my tombstone. And that's when I realized that the thing I like about entrepreneurship isn't just the freedom or be your own boss or whatever it is. It's the flexibility and the fact that if you don't, if you just can't talk to people that day because you're going through something, you don't have to. And on mm -hmm. my end, for a year, I, I didn't appear in public. I did all my work uh, remotely. And it just gave me a lot of solace knowing it, like I didn't have to like, you know, have small talk. I could just kind of get to the point. So I thought to myself, well, heck, maybe I can give other people the same freedom, the same opportunity to do this. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're going through something too, or they just want to have more, more freedom. And I decided instead of doing digital marketing consulting, I would help other entrepreneurs grow their brand and grow their revenue and grow their business. And that felt much more meaningful because before mm -hmm. that I was working with larger clients. Like I'm going down like Walmart and NBC and stuff like that. But I decided I want my legacy to be, to be defined by how I helped individuals help themselves and help their family. Mm -hmm. And that, that can just change generations. So that's where, um, that's where a lot of this came from, but it, it, it turned into this motivation almost because I realized, you know, my, my son's not here to do all these amazing things in the world well, hell, I'm still here. So what can I do for him and for me right now going forward? And it's just like this, this, this drive that will just never shut down because I'm just so, so motivated to help other people. Yeah. Sometimes in life where we're gifted and, you know, hit over the head with perspective, right? It can be such a gift to come out of such a horrible situation 
with the perspective that the rest, you you look at the rest of the world and you almost look at them differently. You're like, you have no idea, right? Like you don't know how fleeting life is. You don't get it. Like you're complaining about how long you have to wait in the Starbucks line. Like life is too short to focus on the crap that doesn't matter. So you're gifted that perspective, but you had to suffer to get it right. And, um, and to see somebody, I have such respect and admiration for someone like you, Terry, who can take something that that would humble any parent, right? Take you to your knees for infinite amount of time, losing a child, and and then be able to say, but from this pain, I I refuse to not take a lesson from it. I refuse to not go forward and honor the life of my son by by living the life that I, I'm still blessed with. So that it gives me chills thinking about it, knowing that because of that hardship, you've taken so much good from it and then paid forward that good, right? Like you should, no offense to Walmart, but like nobody cares how great Walmart's doing. Like, let's go help the corner store. Let's go help the mom and pop. Let's go help the small business owner who's impacting individuals. And um, I love that you've made that shift because we need more of that in the world of small business and entrepreneurship. And, and I'm curious too, for you in, in your business growth, right? So the times in business where maybe you were seeing successes or going through struggles, can you talk about a time where you were in the gauntlet, right? You were really going through it. I feel like sometimes we encounter these ceilings in our business where we're like, either this is going to cap me or kill me, or it's going to become my floor. Like this is my next level is right on the other side of this thing. Anything stick out in your mind of periods of time or specific situations where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but like, let's go. Yeah. And this is going to sound a bit uncanny, but things were going well. Like within the first year of my business, I was already at six figures after that I was at two. So you can say, Hey, you're, you're, you know, you're doing well, you're scaling. But what I realized is the way that I was making money was, was dangerous because I was doing contract work as an educator, as a facilitator, so on and so forth. So I never owned the relationship with any of my clients. I was just giving them to me. And I was like, well, you kind of have a job. You're not an entrepreneur, right? So when it came time to me help for me to help other entrepreneurs grow their business, they're like, well, how do I get clients? I'm like, I don't know. I'm getting spoon fed. So I made the drastic decision to walk away from that opportunity that was bringing in a guaranteed about 150 a year before I did anything. And I didn't have to work that much forward. I was like, look, I have to learn how to actually be an entrepreneur. So I walked away from that opportunity and I started uh, consulting people and just learning how to actually attract clients. But then 2020 hit and I was like, great, this is going to be interesting. I just gave up this cash cow <laughs> that I had before. And now I'm trying to figure out how I can you know, service all these clients and attract them. So what I did back then, I think I had like three kids um, at home. What I did is I just came to a point where I was like, this ain't going to work in its current iteration where I have all these one-on-one -on -one clients. Otherwise, I'm going to burn out. Like, it's just not going to work or I'm going to under-deliver. So what I did is I just stopped working for two months, which I know sounds weird. I stopped working for two months and I created an online course. But that course was not meant to be sold to individuals. It was actually the, the backbone of a group coaching program that I started. So I set it up so you get access to the course. And you can meet with me Monday and Tuesday or like Monday and Thursday or whatever day it was for an hour. That's it. And I charged about a thousand bucks a month. I had 20 people in it. So I was making $20,000 a month, but I was only working two days a week <laughs> for an hour each time. 
So again, it's those constraints that come with being a parent sometimes that give you the clarity to say, look, I don't have that many options. So the ones that are available, I'm going all in on. So on my end, mm -hmm. that's what I encourage my clients to do now too. I'm like, hey, you can do one-on-one -on -one stuff if you want, but if you get a good group coaching program, you can make a lot more money and scale easier. Yeah, I so agree. And I think the thing that I want to highlight just for people who are in that time for money model where they are in that grind period and they're like, man, I have no capacity left because I survive on the clients that I bring in, but I don't have any more time left in my schedule. And most of the people that tune in, they do have families. So they are navigating those two different callings and that those two different worlds. Um, I love that you chose to create that online course and didn't go try to just sell the online course because the mistake people make with that all the time is we see so many people out there promoting courses and it's great. We have courses and they bring in multiple six figures for our, our business every quarter. But if I tried to do that in the beginning, it's so defeating when you go to launch an online course and you're like, wait, why didn't that just make bank for me? Because you have to have something that builds it up. So when you say, okay, this, instead of this online course being something I have to go hustle market, sell, and like really try and get it into many hands, otherwise it's not profitable. How can I leverage it as a curriculum in conjunction with a group coaching program where I can charge a higher price point and consistent revenue instead of selling an online course once for like 500 bucks, you've got people paying a, a thousand bucks a month to get minimal time with you in like an office hours type setting. And now all of a sudden you're bringing in 20K a month. So that's just such a smart move that I wanted to specifically highlight because we teach the same thing. And it's a great starting point to go from that one-to-one -to, -one to one to more than one and start to leverage your time really well. So kudos to you. That was really smart. Um, Thanks. And, and you brought let, me, let me jump in real quick. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, along go the ahead. Same lines while we're on it. Another thing I would encourage any course creator to do is if possible to license your course to organizations and institutions. So I license totally. my course to universities, right? So instead of charging a hundred bucks, I can charge a hundred thousand, but it's the same course, right? So again, we're, we're repurposing content. We're, we're, we're leveraging our time more efficiently. And again, as a parent, these are things you think about when you're up at four in the morning, trying to figure out how to get out of these, the, the mess that you're in. Yeah, you no kidding. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk through that you mentioned. You said something along the lines of basically, you know, when you're a parent, you have to get more efficient, right? It, it kind of puts your back against the wall. And I've always felt this way since I started my business. I had started my business before I had kids. And my mentor at the time told me, you know, you're going to create from a place, like you'll have seasons where you're creating from a place of inspiration because you know where you want to go and you know where you want to get. And you will have seasons where you're creating from a place of desperation because your back's against the wall. Both are valuable. Both will be the light, you know, the fire under your butt to get you going. And I think sometimes in a good way, if you, if you leverage it for good, um, that, and have the positive perspective on it, being a parent with multiple kids or one kid or whatever, you can look at it like I'm drowning and I can't manage it all. Or you can look at it like, how can I be so freaking laser focused on the things that actually move the needle and manage my time well and focus on the right actions so that I can be more efficient. And what I find is the same way when I say to my kids, go clean your room, literally no, no parameters, just go clean your room. And eight hours later, I go down there and it looks somehow 10 times messier than it did when they started. But if I say, guys, I'm setting a 10 minute timer. I'm going to crank the music for, you got 10 minutes, kick butt, take names, go clean your room. I come down, it's spotless in eight minutes. And I'm like, 
whoa, when we have less time, our brains just laser in on where we need to focus. So talk a little bit more about that piece. Like your dad of four, what does it look like? What do, I think people like to know behind the, like pull back the curtain a little bit. What do your weeks look like? What does your schedule look like? How are you more efficient based on, you know, the, maybe the more limited time you have since you're juggling family and business? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I did is I, I just jotted down all the activities and tasks that I had to complete in order to live in the vision that I have for my life. So it starts with a vision, right? What does that mm -hmm. look like? What is your ideal future state? And then I reverse engineered it. And I said, well, to live in that vision, what actions do I have to take now to get there, right? Because discipline is destiny, right? So one thing I realized is I have to create at least, sorry, let me go back. One thing I realized is I'm a content creator and I have to spend at least 12 hours per week creating content. So instead of just saying, okay, create content this week, I put it on my calendar. And I also said, well, look, I'm more creative in the morning than I am in the afternoon. So I'm going to schedule that in the morning, not in the afternoon. Beyond that, I like working out. Like that's it. I'm just that guy. Like I love going to CrossFit and I like working out in the morning too. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to work out first thing in the morning after I drop my kids off. And I'll just start from the beginning to, to make sense here. But mm -hmm. the first thing you do is just, you just dump, like I'll, I'll make a list of everything you have to do to live in your vision into some kind of spreadsheet and then determine how many hours per week you have to spend in order to make this happen, right? And then actually put it on your calendar. Don't make a to-do list. That's just a wish list. Put it on your calendar and schedule these events. So what does a day look like for me after I stumble over that three times? I normally wake up around 5 a.m. And I just read or I write. I don't do anything too heavy because I know at any given moment, one of my kids might wake me up. So from there, it's breakfast with the kids, dropping them off. By 9 o'clock, I'm at the gym. Work out real quick. I'm back by 10.30. I don't have my first call typically until maybe 11 at the earliest, normally not till 2.00. I'm actually creating content when I first get home, which is great because that way I don't feel like I'm sacrificing the future of my business to get on a call, like some kind of meeting. And I think that's where we get frustrated when there's fun stuff you want to do or like critical stuff you want to do. And you're talking to someone about something that could have been an email, right? So all that stuff right. I don't do to the afternoon. And then I also reflect at the end of the day, okay, well, based on my goals, you know, how did I do, right? What, what, what um, action items did I take off? What are my small wins? And those small wins are important because you might have big goals, but if you don't if you don't acknowledge those small wins along the way, you might run out of motivation and encouragement before you get there. So just celebrate the smallest things, even sending that email, right? Completing that blog, whatever it is. But I do that mentally every day. Hmm. And when you are um, spending some time like reading and writing, is that typically, you know, journaling? Is that kind of prepping for the day? Is it a book around business? Do you have, I like to hear what people are focusing on with their reading and writing time. It's normally a book. It could be about business, often about personal development, mm -hmm. because that's what I'm more focused on these days. I mean, there's a lot of great, you know, experts and books about, you know, biz dev and stuff like that. I don't know that my voice is uniquely needed in those conversations so much. But when I think about what really makes me special, what really makes me you know, stand out is my resilience and my high level of performance, even given the fact that I unfortunately lost a child, even given the fact that I have four kids, even given the fact that I like to, to work out. So people look at me and they ask me, you know, how do you do all this stuff? How do you have a podcast? How do you write for entrepreneur? How do you consult? How do you do all this stuff? And I realized, well, that's what they're asking me for the most, right? And that's where my unique voice is needed the most as well. So I'm always looking for information, for tools, any kind of guidance I can pass along to my audience 
that will help them overcome setbacks, perform at a higher level, and just seize opportunities. Because I, I just have this, this, this desire to help people just break out of like the mold they might be in and, and not just settle for who they are, but to ascend to who they could be. So mm-hmm. any information around that, I, that's what I'm looking for. And then I'll synthesize my thoughts that I have around that into content and then share that through various channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way with um, I love leveraging, you know, my zones of energy where it's it matches the need for that task. Right. So I'm the same way with content creation. It's the morning. It's the first thing. It's before I sign into Slack or email or anything else that I'm not getting distracted because I will get distracted. And it and it ensures that whether no matter what happens that day, right? Like one of the kids ends up, you know, feeling sick and your day got cut in half. Okay. I got the most critical thing done that I need to do in a zone of the day where I'm the most efficient and creative and mentally focused. So I'm with you on that. Um, you mentioned resilience and I want to talk about this a little more because I feel like for a lot of people, similar to how I talk about leadership, like resilience can feel very conceptual. It can feel esoteric and it can be like, well, what does that mean in a tangible sense? So can you break down how you not necessarily define it, but like what it looks like when you're helping someone through a setback or overcoming something or for yourself, like what does that resilience look like in a more tangible nature? Yeah. And I think resilience, like People have one definition definition of it that's incomplete. They might think it's it's the ability to get through tough situations, and sure that that's part of it. But it also gives you the the empowerment to take on new challenging opportunities because you know that even if you fail, you will survive, right? So mm-hmm. you're more fearless and more innovative. But what I do is I walk through a series of exercises, and I'll, I'll share a couple of them with you. The first cool. is you have to front load confidence in advance. And the way that you do that is by jotting down what I call epic thoughts. And these are things that you've done in the past that were challenging, yet you accomplished. So for example, I made the varsity football team when I was 14 years old. I got hired at Facebook. I survived the pandemic with a bunch of kids. You're going to write down these these 10 challenging things you've done in the past because confidence comes from past experiences, not from pep talks or motivational posters. So you want to front load this training first with these epic thoughts. Then you're going to have this opportunity to practice resilience. And I'm saying opportunity, it can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Because when my son died, I had the opportunity to really step up for my family and make sure that I was solved, that I was present, that I didn't let myself get down to the point where I was useless to everyone. So you really have to embrace this opportunity. And one tool that you want to use during this time is thought monitoring, just monitoring your thoughts. And the question you want to ask yourself is this. Is this thought useful or necessary, right? So again, my son dies or you had some kind of setback. You can think, oh, I wish this never happened. Gosh, you know, I'm so upset, so on and so forth. But is that thought useful or necessary? Not not after a while, right? I'm saying, you know, process it, obviously. But after a while, it's like, okay, look, I got to move forward, right? Next thing is, okay, what could I actually do about this? How do I actually deploy resilience? And the most powerful tool you can use is divergent and convergent thinking. So diverge, you think of all the pathways that are still available to you, right? There's a lot of stuff you can still do. Whiteboard it out, no matter how silly it sounds or looks. And then diverge down to actions that seem to make sense based on your ability, your goals, and um, your resources, right? So that's the next one. Then you go into action. And that's when that routine that I talked about earlier is so important. You think to yourself, okay, to achieve this goal I have, to live in my vision, even after this setback, who do I have to become? 
And again, discipline is destiny. So you're going to just make a routine around that. You want to be in better shape? Cool. Put that on your calendar. You want to be a more patient parent? Put that on your calendar too. Better, better partner, whatever it is. But you just want to program all this stuff into your daily, your daily life. And that way you become that person you, that you want to be. Very last thing is you're going to say, well, Terry, that's great, but how do we become more resilient? You know, what if we're just grinding forever and nothing's changing? That's when you have to practice journaling. And journaling is when you remind yourself about those small wins you got every day and the progress you're making that encourages you to stick with it. So long story short, that's how we help people. I have various tools that go under each section to help people with that. And you find that, would you argue that entrepreneurs today are becoming more resilient with time passing and, you know, looking at the industry as a whole, or do you feel like people are losing this skill? I think this, I think the people who got laid off during the pandemic and became entrepreneurs, they're resilient as heck because they Mm -hmm. had to deal with just to pay their mortgage. Right. And I feel some entrepreneurs are getting a little comfortable. And that can be to their detriment because there are people right now who are hungrier, right? Because they literally, they got to pay their bills, right? So when I see entrepreneurs saying, oh, you know, I'm not really sure like what kind of blue I want to use on my website. I'm like, don't worry about the blue, like get out there and start like making money, you know? So I I think there are some emerging entrepreneurs that are more resilient. I think some of the existing ones need to realize there's a lot more competition out there right now. And with work and workplace being decoupled, like no time in history, you have more competition, right? So just realize you have to rise to that level in order to compete effectively. And I know you're passionate about the vision aspect like we are um, at Luminary. And I think to me, sometimes that resilience can happen more naturally when your vision is really aligned, right? Like when it's in alignment with who you're meant to be and what you're feeling called to do. And sometimes when our vision gets a little blurred or we get disconnected from it, or maybe our vision isn't really ours, it's what you know, the, our environment kind of created for us, or we're watching what other people are doing. And we're like, Oh, that sounds cool. I'll go for that. If it's not really lighting you up, lighting you up, why would you have resilience? Right. You, you encounter something really difficult, but the thing on the other side of that difficulty, that vision isn't worth fighting for. Of course, you're not going to like go to battle for this thing. So to me, if you're feeling like you're butting your head up against the wall, with the resilience piece, maybe it's important to take a step back and, you know, for those listening, like revisit that vision and ensure that that vision is for you. It's, it's something that you would be willing to fight for. And I love those practices you mentioned, because sometimes I think we have these terms or these concepts that just feel too pie in the sky. But when you can take a concept that's really critical for your success or for your growth, like resilience, and turn it into something you can measure or something that you can, you know, literally do each day and turn it into that habit and start to create that discipline around it in those times where you are going through hell or you're walking through something so heavy, you can almost like a robot say, I can't think my way through this right now. I can't you know, be joyful, focusing on this vision of the next thing that I want because it's so heavy, but I can robotically show up for the things I know that when I do them, they make me a little bit better or they get me a little bit closer to where I need to go. So we need those fall, fallbacks of habits and disciplines, but you also need that heart for that vision on the other side. That's going to light you up enough that, you know, it's worth fighting for. So I love how you take it and you make it something actually tangible for people. 
Yeah, I know. I, I had to because I'm naturally resilient and my, my dad was the same way. We're just we're stoic, right? Like it is what it is. What are you going to do about it? But I want to help people. I can't just say that. Right. So I have to give people right. tools and tactics they can use. And I have 13 that I've developed to go through this whole process. But yeah, otherwise, you're just rudderless, right? You're like, oh, let me try to get some motivation. It's like, no, you don't need motivation. You, you need actions. And you yeah. need to know exactly what you can do in any given moment to make this happen. I think that's one of the biggest myths of entrepreneurship. It's like we I think social media is partially to blame because everything looks so good. So you're watching all these other people in their B-roll videos, smiling and joyous. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they look so motivated. Like, how do they get motivation? But you don't see them grinding behind the scenes. You don't see them, you know, losing it, like struggling through something. So we're disillusioned into thinking everybody else is motivated and it's something that we have to obtain to be able to get it. It's like I would argue that with the clients I've worked with and the levels of success they've gotten to, 80% of the time, they're anything but motivated. They're just, they just know what they're meant to do. They just know where they're going and they know they don't need motivation to get there. And in fact, you know, you talk about the idea of momentum momentum is what breeds motivation. So get up and, and do the thing enough times so that when you pick up steam, you're going to be looking back on all that evidence. Like you talk about like those epic thoughts and be like, holy crap, that's motivating. Like, look how far I've come. Look at what I've accomplished. So let the motivation just, you know, come from your momentum and your growth and your efforts and, and don't allow your feelings to drive the dang train. Like how many people are like, I don't feel like doing it. It's like, nobody asked you how you feel. Just go do the thing. Like the, the, you do it. It's like being a parent. How often do we feel like getting up in the middle of the night when our kid is like screaming over nothing? Or how often do we feel like, you know, dealing with the tantrums and being patient? It's like most of the stuff we do, we don't feel like doing, but we do it because we know the juice is worth the squeeze. We know we love our kids. We know that we want to help them become the best version of themselves, which requires us to be the best version of ourselves. So we do the thing, even especially in the moments when we don't feel like it. And, and the same is true for business. I feel like I could just like hang out with you all day. Um, I'm just vibing with everything you're saying. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, it must be the four kid angle. We're on the same page. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I would love people to know where they can come find you. They can learn from you, hear from you, connect with you, whatever it might be, because I'm sure they'll want to after listening in. Yeah, LinkedIn is my biggest platform. I share there every day, actually, as well as Instagram at It's Terry Rice. And then go to my website, uh, terryrice.co. It's not .com. There's a photographer in Indiana who has .com. If you want photos, go there. If you want to learn how to grow your business and <laughs> overcome setbacks, uh, go to .co. And then lastly, listen to my podcast, Launch Your Business, where I give you the actions, tools, and mindset needed to grow your business. Awesome. Thank you, Terry. We'll be sure to link to all of that, except Terry Rice, the photographer. We won't be linking to his stuff. <laughs> Appreciate that. Great chatting with you. <laughs> you too, Terry. Thank you. I hope today's episode gave you what you needed. If it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next powerful episode. And I know it's so cliche to ask for a review. It always feels weird asking for one, but you guys, that makes a huge impact on the show. We read every one of them and it helps us get incredible guests to serve you. Don't be shy. I love connecting with our listeners. You can follow along on Instagram when I'm on there at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question or a guest you have for us, reach out, share your thoughts. You can connect 
at marketing at luminaryleadershipco.com. And we do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve you. Thanks for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. Tune in next week to keep building your legacy and becoming the confident visionary leader you are meant to be.